Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series 2 of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach, trainer, consultant, and speaker. I work with corporate sales teams and leaders, along with startup business owners passionate about what they do, but wanting to up their sales game. My main mission is helping us all become more mindful of how we elevate our performance, perspective, and potential. If you want to know more, then look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Hatfield, always happy to chat. So if you're new to Not Another Sales Podcast, here's what to expect. It's aimed at giving you insights into how you can be successful within the world of sales, whether that's your career or your own business. We go deeper into the thought process and mindset needed for success when selling and when running a business, not just the skills and output. So if you're looking for a podcast with a difference that starts with the mind in mind, this is for you. So enough about me, let's get started. On today's episode, I'm joined by Katie Ivy Coutinho and Laura Guerrera. Katie is the RVP of sales at Demand Base and a speaker, and Laura is the Senior Director of Sales at Ring DNA and a chapter head of the Revenue Collective. And they're going to be talking about their experiences of tackling imposter syndrome, particularly for women in the world of sales, why it exists, Katie's and Laura's own personal experience of it, and how to truly deal with it head on. Along with this, they're going to be sharing their advice for women in the world of sales looking to elevate into a management role and leadership, what you can be doing before you get there, and the mindset needed for success. So sit back and enjoy. Katie and Laura, welcome to Not Another Sales Podcast. Thanks so much. Good to be here. Absolutely. Great to be here. Well, it's a real pleasure. Thank you both for, for coming on. And uh, for people that are tuning in, first of all, that might not be too familiar with yourselves, if I'm sure that's not many people, because uh, you're quite big names on LinkedIn from what I've seen. Uh, it'd be great to give them a bit of a, an intro and a story as to as to who you are. So Katie, if you could kick us off. Wow, that was a nice little flattery to intro with. I'm not sure that I have a big name on LinkedIn, uh, so I'll definitely do an intro. Uh, my name is Katie Ivy. I, I run uh, mid-market sales at Demandbase, which is a B2B marketing platform. Been in sales leadership for, gosh, makes me sound really old, probably eight, 10 years. Uh, most of that time spent in MarTech, uh, pretty much all of it in B2B. Ran a commercial sales team at Marketo, was at Salesforce and Pardot prior to that. Um, so I'm super passionate about a lot of the topics that you talk about on here in terms of just mindfulness and mental health, uh, you know, woven into a sales landscape. So looking forward to the conversation today. Great. Great. And Laura. Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me, Chris. Um, so I am the senior director of sales over at ring DNA, and we are a sales engagement tool that's built directly inside of Salesforce, um, to basically enable anything and everything that your sales team needs to do on a day-to-day basis. So, I have been in sales and sales leadership for about 10 years, and I've done pretty much every role that you can think of, um, worn many hats. So I um, was uh, working for manufacturing and selling ergonomic manufacturing and consulting. I've sold SaaS, food tech, um, you name it. So I'm super excited to be here, and I'm really passionate about uh, culture. Uh, I work for actually a mindfulness and mental health startup, so um, definitely relate to you there, Chris, as well. Um, and uh, had a great chat with Katie a few weeks ago, and I know we we definitely see eye to eye as it relates to women in leadership. So really looking forward to being here today. Great, great, and yeah, as you mentioned there, you know, 
some of the things that I'm always looking to explore different topics on this podcast, as you mentioned, Katie, as well, things that maybe aren't talked about enough. And, and you know, looking down this route of, of women in sales and women in leadership, I think it's really important. And I, I wanted to get a, you know a take on this from 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 women in, in the roles that you've just mentioned there. That of course, you know, you've worked your way into a position to to understand a bit more about the kind of experiences you've been through and also your advice that you would give for people listening to this because there's about 45% of the listeners are female. So it kind of makes sense to do a, do an, an episode on this really. So I suppose one of the first things, and you know, you, we were talking about it before, that would be really interesting to find out and addressing these kind of like myths or, or limitations that exist within sales, particularly within women in sales in this area is, is this idea of imposter syndrome is, is feeling like, from a and you know I can't I can't relate to this, but from what I've seen and from what I've heard is is females feeling like you know they can't always be the first to speak up in a room. They don't have the right knowledge, or they they feel like they're limited in their thinking, whether it be their experience or their role. So I'd love to explore a bit more about why you think that is and how you can move past it, and maybe even some of the experiences you felt yourself. So, Katie, if I can start with you, what what do you think is the kind of core as to why that exists so much from a from a female's perspective? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I mean, imposter syndrome, I think, is something that all of us in a variety of roles and levels in our career are certainly going to struggle with. But it's something that I've absolutely observed and seen uh, so much more in females that I've worked with and managed uh, and certainly witnessed in myself as well. I think a lot of it goes back and there's a ton of really great research on the topic, um, but there's a lot of data that backs up the fact that women naturally don't put up our hand for a new role or a new opportunity until we feel literally 100% qualified versus men are much more often likely to put up their hand and take something on when they feel like, hey, I can do part of this and I'll just figure out the rest, um, which both sides of that, it's not that one is good versus the other one not being good, but they're very, very different. And I think it does explain why there's such a gap when we look at women leading teams, leading large teams, leading organizations on you know boards of public companies, a lot of the stats and things that we throw around in terms of that massive gap from, from a lack of gender parity as you move up within an organization. Um, there's also a really great book. It's called Brave, Not Perfect, um, or I don't know if you've read it. It, it talks a lot about how as little girls and, and young people, uh, women typically are bred uh, and really groomed to put up an image of perfection, which makes us very afraid to fail. Um, and men typically are bred to be risk takers. Hey, you know, fall down, you'll be fine. You know, skin knees, no big deal versus uh, young girls being very protected. And I think as we move throughout our career, that's part of what makes us much more risk averse naturally, um, which means that we have to lean in a little bit more purposefully to take some of those big roles, those big risks and things that that maybe we feel a bit less qualified for. Um, I think that aligns with what you were kind of getting at it around this concept of imposter syndrome. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And what about from your perspective, Laura? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think uh, there was a study from the DSM that actually found that 70% of people, uh, both men and women, will experience imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. And I think probably, you know, what I've experienced and heard is that I think men are typically better about um, hiding it or, or understanding it. And so, um, uh, in my personal journey and my personal experience, I think what's interesting for me is like, as an individual contributor, I, I, I didn't experience it. I was really confident kind of growing into, into each of my in IC roles. However, moving into a leadership role where that's where the huge gender gap is, as it relates to women in, in leadership roles, that's where I started to experience it myself. And so 
I think in terms of, of the why, I definitely think that um, kind of the lack of, of uh, women in leadership roles plays a huge part into that. And, and in terms of kind of, um, you know, what we can do and, and the different things that we can, um, how we can support ICs and in getting into more leadership roles, um, I think to Katie's point, like we definitely need to just be aware of it, like educate ourselves around the topic and, and kind of lean into that vulnerability. Um, you know, for me, I think like reading the classic Sheryl Sandberg lean in, like that was really my first like aha moment. And I think everybody needs to have that aha moment of what it is that they're feeling and experiencing and then have open and honest conversations with mentors, with managers about, about what it takes to get to the next step. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think to go back to your point as well, Katie, around this idea of perfection, I think it's important as a, a role of an organization to kind of create that kind of safe environment that it's okay not to be perfect and and to be able to fail and, and support people when they do, particularly women, to be able to overcome that. Say, for example, if they have had experiences in other roles, if they come into your organization, that you've kind of got that, that framework there to promote that uh, as a business, not just for individuals to work on it as well. Yeah, Chris, I think that's so important. And I'm, we've talked about just the concept of psychological safety as you know, the massive Google study that they did a couple of years ago around what makes teams truly great. Uh, we all know people don't leave companies, they leave bosses typically. Uh, and so there's all this research around this concept of psychological safety. And it's literally that sense of feeling free to fail. I'm willing to take risks because I know that I'm in an environment that's safe. I can share you know, the challenges that I'm facing. It's okay to look like I don't have all the answers. It's okay to ask big questions, things that might feel like stupid questions, like creating that environment within our teams, I think is such an important step towards creating an environment where women in particular do feel like there's that safety kind of area around them to be okay to fail, which is going to lead them to put up their hand, take up the next challenge, ask for the promotion, whatever it is. Mm, yeah. So, so from your perspective then, Laura, how do you or how would you advise people I suppose it's twofold here. First of all, if you're if you're listening to this and you feel like you're going through this and you're a woman in sales, like how would you advise like moving past it and and getting and progressing with it? And secondly, if you're listening to this and you have a team, to Katie's point there, how do you start creating that environment where people feel okay to be honest about having imposter syndrome, which is the biggest thing, um, but also being okay to fail around it? Yeah, I think for, for folks who are experiencing it, um, you know, I think imposter syndrome, like how it's defined is essentially like feeling a sense of like intellectual fraudulence and, and, and self-limiting self beliefs despite, you know, your accomplishments and the, and the things that you are really strong at. And so I think being really, really self-aware of what you are good at. So literally writing down a list of what you're good at and then just becoming extremely competent in those areas, right? So reading books and continuing to hone your confidence. Um, uh, and, and I think getting mentors is extremely important for, I think, women at all levels. Like um, at my level, I know VPs um, um, and even CEOs who have mentors, right? And so that's something that we should be consistently investing in and looking at because I know that mentors in my life have made a dramatic impact on, you know, helping improve my confidence and, and helping like in a certain situation where I have the skills and the aptitude to make certain decisions. And I, I've come to them and said, oh, well, I'm not really sure what, what I should do here. And they said, LG, like you've got this, you've done this before and, and kind of help kind of push me along the line there. So I think number one, um, 
again, you know, writing down and become really self-aware of what your strengths are and give your, giving yourself credit for that. And then number two, relying on your tribe, your mentors um, that you can go to in those situations where you might not um, be feeling the most confident. Mm. Yeah, I'm saying that. If I can just, sorry, add one quick thing on that, because Laura and I have talked about this a little bit within our team environment. Some of the things that Laura is just such a massive advocate for culture and really leaning in and figuring out what does a positive sales culture look like. And even to your point, I love what you just highlighted of personally, when we're struggling with these, focusing on the strengths, figuring out what am I really good at? What's unique about me that I bring to the table? I think also that's so incredibly important to do with our teams and to lead them in that direction. It's so easy as a sales leader, especially someone that's been doing the role for a long time, we can immediately pick apart all the things that someone works that works for us could be doing better, something they may have missed or what their gaps or weaknesses are. Sometimes you have to be a little bit more purposeful to also be leaning into what are their unique strengths? What are the things that they bring to the table that they're just world-class at? What are those superpowers? And if you can help them figure those things out and then manage and coach towards those, doesn't mean we don't point out and help with the gaps, of course, but focusing primarily or more on the positives versus the negatives, I think is also this really healthy cycle. Mm. Yeah. I think in addition to that, one of the things that I learned really early on was a lot of times someone's biggest strength is also their, their biggest weakness, right? So if, some, if a sales rep is a really phenomenal listener and they're really kind of calm and patient and good at listening, that's an amazing skill to have, right? However, sometimes that the tables can turn and that they might not be aggressive enough or assertive enough or ask the uncomfortable questions, right? And alternatively, and this was kind of me as a young sales rep, um, really energetic, really extroverted, really passionate about building relationships and um, definitely needed to work on, on my listening skills, um, um, so, so, so that was, again, my superpower, my biggest strength, but it was also one of my biggest, my biggest weakness at the time. And so I think having managers to coach me through that rather than me being kind of, um, you know, having a lack of confidence around my weaknesses, like I was hyper aware that, Hey, this is my strength, but it's also my weakness and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing as well, like when you are, if you're conscious about what people aren't doing well, you may unconsciously or subconsciously like impart that on them. So it may become a bigger thing than it is. It might have been one thing, but because you've made it a bigger thing, it's becoming something that they, it wasn't a weakness, but now it is because they feel like it's not enough, even though it might have just been a rare occasion or it's something that they were working on. They got better at, but it still wasn't the level you expected. And therefore it's kind of destroyed any confidence or any sort of self-belief that's been built up from that area. And I love what you said as well, Laura, earlier as well about mentors and there might be people listening, uh, you know, women and, and guys listening to this thinking, oh, I don't know where to start. But I think, you know, particularly with what's out there at the moment, it doesn't always have to be a mentor doesn't always have to be someone that, you know, as in, you know, there's so much content out there. It's just going out there and finding who do I connect with? Who do I relate to? What, what, who's putting content out there and messages and podcasts, and videos that can go, yeah, I really align to that person. And I might not be able to speak to them regularly, but I can certainly consume their content, which will help me along the way. So I think it's important to to find people, but if you can't, to still just find content or people that relate to you in that way as well. Yeah, I would agree 100% to Laura's comment around mentors and mentorship. Another piece of that that I think is important, sometimes we overcomplicate it because we're looking for that one perfect person, um, or maybe we're trying to get time or aligned with someone that doesn't quite have that availability. I talk about the concept of micro mentors, where literally just someone that is doing the role that you want to be doing, or, you know, exhibit some of those strengths that maybe are not your biggest strengths, or someone you look up to for whatever reason, 
figure out if you can get one or two conversations booked with that person. Um, Because I know myself personally, I don't have a ton of free time in my schedule. I'm I'm mentoring a few folks outside of my team right now. But beyond that, I can't take on, you know, consistent weekly or biweekly conversations at this point. Uh, But I can absolutely book, you know, one or two conversations with someone that wants to ask me a few specific questions or lean in around a specific topic. Um, So I would say that's probably another layer, especially if you feel like you're struggling to find that that mentor or mentors. Um, Think of a way that you can break that down into something that might be a little bit more bite-sized as well. Mm. Do you think potentially that if you're struggling with imposter syndrome or you're, you have this kind of limiting belief from a female perspective that becoming a mentor is a, is a good way of, of overcoming that? What do you think, Katie? Uh, yes, I think absolutely. It also ties into Laura's point around leaning into, identifying and leaning into your own strengths as well. It's amazing some of the times you'll sit down and have a conversation and just being able to ask someone else questions and make some recommendations or give, give advice helps you immediately recognize like, oh, I'm really good at this or I do have a ton to offer in this area. And all of us naturally, we identify all the things that we don't do well or the things that we could have done better or we missed. But you have to pay attention and be purposeful, I think, to find those things that you're doing really, really well, Um, or maybe that unique perspective that you didn't even realize that you had, but you were able to offer in that mentorship setting. Um, So absolutely. Mm. What are your thoughts on that, Laura? Have you found over your time being a mentor to other people has has helped solidify and and build your own confidence and belief? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... um, <clears throat> a lot of times we get so focused on the things that we don't know, right? Um, that we that we discount or disregard a lot that we have learned over the years. Um, and so I think even this concept of reciprocity and giving back and just having um, you know small interactions with with mentees uh, and some of the positive feedback that will just come from giving back is very fulfilling. So couldn't agree mm. more there. I think it also helps us learn as well. Like, I mean, I think of some of the young people that I've mentored over the years and even some of the folks that work on my team now that are a little bit earlier in their career, they're certainly learning from me, but I learn from them all the Mm -hmm. time. I'm not in the front lines as much from a sales perspective. So I certainly need to understand what's working, what's resonating, what are we hearing from our customers? What are the challenges? I mean, today things change literally every two weeks, this weird world that we're living in. So that kind of mentee relationship as well is super beneficial, I think, in both ways, especially if you're asking the right questions and, and really paying attention. Mm. Yeah, I've, I always believe you should always have a mentor and always be a mentor. That's kind of like my mindset. And I think, you know, regardless of where you're at on your journey, I look at it like a mountain. If You might not be at the peak yet, but you're certainly at a certain base camp that someone who hasn't started out would like to get to. So even if you're like six months in, 12 months in, like two months in, someone starts, you can you can provide them with value. And of course, you know, it's, it's done in the right way. It's not, here's how to do it. It's obviously needs to be some structure around it, but never underestimate like the value you can give to someone. Like to your point as well, Laura, it might just be one thing you're great at. Talk to people about that, help people that way, because that in itself will build your belief in that strength. And, and along the way, you'll probably find actually, there's two or three other things here I'm really good at. Absolutely. Yep. So when, when we look into the kind of like world of sales and, and you mentioned, obviously, Casey, things are changing every couple of weeks at the moment. And obviously with what's going on, like, I'd love to get your insights and thoughts on, you know, as we shift and as we evolve as sales does, as the way society does, like what's going to serve people really well from either like a habits, traits or skills perspective in the future to be successful in the world of sales. So I suppose 
Laura, from your perspective, what are one or two things that you think are, are really going to serve people well or to really invest focus or time in at the moment? Absolutely. I think um, the first thing is how to build not only a brand digitally, but build relationships digitally. And this is going to be such a critical skill, I think, um, um, not only now with all of the impact that COVID has, but but in the near future um, and beyond. And, and what I mean by that is I think everybody's talking about how to build your brand online and on LinkedIn, which is great and, and, and super important. But I think a step beyond that is, is building relationships. And I think what that means for me is a couple of different things. It's um, I think actually the way that Katie put it in, in getting micro mentors is perfect, right? So, hey, um, it's engaging with people's content. It's making connections. Um, it's uh, uh, learning from people's content and it's asking for time. Hey, I have a, a few quick ideas I want to run by you or would love to pick your brain on a number of these topics. Um, that goes such a long way. And I think you need people need to understand that the, the intention and the goal in doing that, you should think about how you can help the other person because that will always come back around to help you. Um, so I think with having little expectations going into it, but making those asks. And I think a lot of people are thinking about like, how do I post on LinkedIn, which is great. And that's a great first start. And it's amazing that people are passionate about their, their strengths and what they're learning. But um, I'm looking forward to people kind of getting one step beyond that in terms of like asking for time because 95% of what I see in my inbox, I don't know about you, Katie, is is the connection and then the sales pitch, right? It's not like, hey, Laura, would love to pick your brain, saw your post on X, Y, and Z, have a couple quick questions for you, right? Um, so really looking forward to, and I think the people that hone in that skill are going to be extremely successful. Yeah, I find it fascinating the way people operate online. It's like, would you say this in real life? Would you walk up to someone at a networking event and go, hey, I want to go actually go on my network? It's kind of like, no, you probably wouldn't. That'd be a little bit weird or just pitch at someone. So don't do it in on email or on LinkedIn. Yep. <laughs> How about yourself, Katie? Yeah, I, I would add to that. And I agree that it's such an important topic, this whole concept of building relationships digitally. Uh, the thing that comes to mind, I think even it's, it's really in the same vein is this concept of how do we do our jobs better remote? And for me as a leader, it's been a massive learning curve. I'm accustomed to being in the office with my team, or at least a majority of my team. Um, I'm also accustomed to being in front of customers face-to-face -face a lot. And I'm really good at that. I'm really good at building relationships in a real life setting. Um, and I kind of assumed that I could just figure out how to do it all virtually, but it's very, very different. Some of the things that work really naturally for me as a leader in the same room with someone, I have to approach it quite differently when it's all happening over Zoom or it's all happening over cell phones. Um, it's a very different dynamic. And I think when I think of an overarching trait of what's going to make sellers successful now, it's they've got to be nimble. Like they've got to be able to pivot and learn, uh, move quickly, research, figure out what's working and not get stuck in. I've always done it this way or like, the, I mean, there's so many folks right now that have been killer salespeople or killer sales leaders for a long time but they've got a playbook that's been the same for many years. And now they're really struggling to figure out how do I adapt within this new environment? So to me, the concept of being nimble um, and being able to pivot is more important now than ever. Mm. Yeah. I think in, in this moment or in this past few months, I think people keep saying, Oh, when we go back to normal is there is no normal. It's a chance to evolve. It's a chance to, to learn and adapt. And I think, you know, what has happened has been so beneficial for the world of sales because it's made people realize a lot more what matters 
And I think, you know, how people have been selling during this pandemic is how we should always sell. Like being empathetic, looking to understand people, like wanting to engage with them, build relationships, as you mentioned, Laura, rather than just doing something, using tactics for the sake of it. Uh, you know, I follow Scott Parker, I've had him on the podcast, and he said, why don't we just get away from like working out tactics? And why don't we just work out how we have better conversations with people rather than just little ways around trying to do things? And actually, well, why don't we just try and serve them better? And then we'll actually be able to get there rather than just thinking, here's all these little tricks that we need to use. And Chris, I think in that same session, uh, Scott was talking about authenticity. Yeah. And I think it's such an important topic in sales in general, but now it's more important than ever. Like you've got to be human and you've got to be real. And it's it's interesting because I feel like, I mean, I see it in the world around me with folks that I manage and folks that are, you know, t- teams that are peripheries of mine. This is creating a really quick divide of the great ones versus the not so great because it's people that are able to, they have this level of authenticity, genuinely curious about people, they're genuinely curious about business. So they're doing the job differently because they actually want to figure it out and want to make those human connections. Uh, And I feel like that's a lot of what Scott talks about, which I love. I think it's such an important topic. Yeah. And it links really nicely into what we've been talking about, the imposter syndrome, I think, because, you know, if you, if you're under that kind of frame of mind, you think you can't be yourself because it's, it's not good enough. And I think it's kind of just, again, going back to what companies do, but what we need to do as individuals over time is just sort of reassure ourselves that you, by trying to be like everyone else in sales, you're you're not going to stand out. Like the best salespeople are the ones that put themselves out there and are just themselves. And I think, you know, the more you realize that being naturally you is the most authentic, like it's going to be authentic, but the most effective way to sell the better rather than think, Oh, I'm not like the top salesperson here or, you know, this person or that person is like great because you know, you don't want to be because that's just not you. That wouldn't work. Like you wouldn't, what they say to customers wouldn't work for you. How they approach wouldn't work for you. So kind of finding your own thing and just being comfortable with being uncomfortable a bit, really. Yeah. I think um, to, to just to add to Katie's point around being nimble and pivoting, I think, you know, externally with prospects and clients. Um, I just was thinking of a, of a specific example uh, of one of our really successful reps. And, and I think reps who are able to, to figure out how to do that internally and navigating, um, you know, cross-departmentally, um, that's definitely been a challenge um, in terms of going remote, right? Where you could pop over to the other department, ask questions, and you know you could just kind of go to somebody one-off versus like posting something in a public Slack channel. And we've got like a, a Slack channel for our inbound SDRs, including our demand gen and marketing team. And our, our, our top inbound rep, she's constantly just firing off questions and things that need to be improved. And she's just fearless in that, right? Um, and so I think people that were maybe more open to asking questions in an office environment, um, uh, I think she's just authentically herself asking questions and not scared of what other people in the Slack channel might think, right? Um, and and because of that, she's she's definitely making waves and and making and really changing, you know, the communication for how all of our teams work together. So, um, super super important as we think about um, that skill, you know, externally as well as like internally. Yeah, mm. so true. Yeah, I suppose it comes down to setting the tone, doesn't it, with this as well, with the imposter syndrome. The longer something is left as a limiting belief, the bigger it becomes and the the more problematic it's the spotlight effect of like one thing. So like you say, if if from day one you're encouraging people to got a question, put it on Slack and they see other people doing it in the team, they see leaders doing it as well. It's encouraging that kind of behavior to go, hey, look, not, not everyone here knows all the answers and it's okay to ask rather than just going, you can ask, and they go to the Slack channel and no one asks a question in there. 
and it's just yeah. loads of gifts and like other stuff I'm like oh I can't really <laughs> ask a question then <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> yeah so that's this it's, it's a really interesting um topic this around like how this how this all intertwines and I suppose like bringing it back around to that that piece we, we talked around mentoring at the start for you know getting over that imposter syndrome for females in sales and, and anyone to be honest as well um but if if for example people are listening to this women in sales and they're looking at that i do want to move into a leadership role uh, mm-hmm. aside mentoring what other advice would you would you give them in terms of like the steps they should take uh, and also maybe the, again going back to the business's point of view like the environment they should create to to encourage people to do this. So what are your thoughts on that, Katie? There's a couple of things that come to mind on that topic specifically. Um, One, if you're looking for a new job and you're going to take a role as a seller, join a company that has women in leadership. Like that's just just full stop. Um, Obviously, there's folks that are in roles that want to stay with their current company, which is great. Um, But if you're looking for new roles, join a company that's got females that are leading at least in some capacity a variety of teams. Um, A few things, when we think about ICs that are performing really well uh, and want to take that next step or interested in cultivating kind of that that leadership within their uh, their own personal brand, I would say find ways to do the role before it's your role. So it could be as simple as look for gaps within your current team. Um, Every uh, manager right now, whether they look like it or not, we're all struggling in some capacity. So I guarantee if you're a seller, you can find some things that either could be done differently or something that might be missing. And maybe it's as simple as encouraging folks to interact more on Slack in different ways or some of the things we were just talking about, but find some things that might not be happening that you feel like you could bring to the table or you could add um, and start doing that. It's funny to me, I think about, like think of SDRs that want to become um, account executives. They start doing the role long before they're getting paid to do the role. They join the discovery calls, they follow the demos, they learn the process, because the goal obviously is to take that next step and move into that closer role. Um, And it's interesting how rare it seems to be for folks that are in IC roles to lean in that purposefully and figure out what are the things within a management or leadership role that I can put up my hand and start doing even before the headcount's there, even before the opportunity presents itself. Because that's naturally, one, you're learning skills and really important things, but you're also positioning yourself as this is the obvious choice when we've got an opportunity to move someone to leadership he or she is the person to do it. That, that's probably the first few things that come to mind for me. I'm sure Laura has that. Yeah, the big one there that really resonated with me is getting an idea and a feel for the role before you move into it. I think we're often, we're just kind of waiting sometimes to think, right, we, we don't, we're not a manager until we're a manager. And it's like, you know, using that kind of uh, proactivity and that, that drive to do that will get you noticed. It also will probably help progress your career a lot quickly and quicker and then, because I kind of think about other areas of your life. Like if you go to the gym and you want to get, say for example, you're, you want to lift more weights. You don't just go from 25 kg to 75. You kind of like you know, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. Or if you're looking to buy a house, you don't just, you, you start saving money over time. Like you're doing it over time before you, you actually do the thing itself. But yeah, in sales, we often think, right, we're here and we don't need to learn anything until we're here. And the big thing there is you haven't transitioned. You haven't built any new habits. You haven't built any new it's a complete change in your your mindset and nothing is kind of set up for you to be successful which is why a lot of people move into management and there's this perceived idea was oh well they were great at sales but not great at managing it's like no but they just haven't thought about that role until they've been in it and the, the company hasn't provided the support for that role until they're in it 
what your what's your what's your take on this then Laura yeah I think the first thing is you know for for me personally as a rep I was very very clear and very confident at the you know, my young 20s saying I want to get into leadership I'm willing to do whatever it takes like let's talk about that what does that look like right? I know I'm not there now I'm no, I know I have a lot of work to get there but I was very very clear with my managers that that was what I wanted to do and I've you know, in some of the folks, um, some of the ladies that I've managed, like I, it's very rare that, you know, they, they are able to kind of share with confidence that that's what they want to do. And if you, if they don't know, if you don't know that that's what you want to do, that's okay. Right. But be proactive about asking, right. Hey, what's the difference between getting into leadership and becoming an account executive or, or, or staying on this path and being an IC? What are the pros and cons to each? Um, right. Ask a lot of questions around that and talk to your mentors about it. But, but being proactive to, to Katie's point, a lot of leaders are struggling right now. We've got a million things going on. And so sometimes, even though we should be constantly checking in with you around your career pro uh, progression, sometimes it can kind of be put on the back burner, unfortunately. And so being really proactive about having that conversation consistently is super important. Um, and then I think working on the skills, to your point, Chris, working on the skills that you need to get there, right? So if you're an SDR, can you shadow uh, AE calls? Can you shadow demos? Can you maybe even take some really small deals that you source on your own, right? So just because it's something that the company isn't doing right now, bring that up to your manager. Hey, I noticed that, you know, it's, um, you know, the AEs don't really like working deals under X size. Like, can I take some of those? Like, I want to try it. Put me in coach, right? Like ask. Um, and so I think that's the first thing as far as what uh, reps can do and how those conversations can look. And then as far as from a company perspective, you know, um, identify the future female leaders that, that you deem to be, um, you know, really strong candidates, right. And have be proactive in that conversation, right. It's, you have to be intentional about, okay, getting more women into leadership and, um, and, and saying, Hey, here's the things that you're doing really well. And here's what I'd like to see more of, um, for you to get to that next step. Um, and so it's just diversity and, and having those conversations, we need to be proactive about it, um, and ask people who haven't come forward to us. So, mm, yeah, really good points there. I'm curious to find out from each of you, actually, we've kind of alluded to it here around what's gone on the world recently, but what you've learned personally for, for, from yourself or learned about yourself in the last sort of few months, I suppose, as a, as a leader, female leader in sales from, from what's gone on, if there's any, been any kind of things we've gone ah, yeah, do you know what? I've already noticed that I'm, this is a strength of mine, you know, talking about strengths or something that you've developed really. So Katie, is there anything that you've kind of like reflected on and thought, do you know what, this is during this time, this is like what I've taken from it. Yeah, there's a, that's a good question. Cause I feel like there's a lot uh, for me. I'm naturally very extroverted, surprise, surprise, which means I get energy from being around people. So the lack of human interaction has been really draining for me. And so I've had to be very purposeful at figuring out how do I plug that gap and keep myself energized and focused and inspired, um, which has meant I've, I've just been a lot more thoughtful at how I use my time I mean, doing things like journaling gratitude journals, a lot of things that I've done off and on throughout my career, but I'm recognizing that right now there's certain things from a um, just a self-care perspective are more important than ever because of the work environment and being so outside of my comfort zone. 
Um, I've also, I definitely have invested a lot of time into reading. Um, so I've read a ton of books, gotten way more active on LinkedIn and social and, and working to, to Laura's point, some around building brand, but also I've met some amazing people. Uh, I mean, Laura being one of them, we met through the Revenue Collective, uh, but I've definitely added some great folks into my network that I think I've, I've learned from that are important in my current role. But when I think of future trajectory, other jobs that I want to do. Um, I definitely wasn't being purposeful enough at building out that personal network um, and looking for ways that that can benefit my team, folks that are you know in, in the role that I'm managing right now. So I've been really purposeful with that. Um, I've also just been learning a ton about running digital teams. Uh, most of us assume that as we progress in our career, we're going to manage people that are not all in the same place and you know, global teams and folks that are spread out. Um, but I just didn't have a ton of experience doing that. Um, I've run big teams, but mostly that's been in an office setting. Um, so that's been very eye-opening for me. I've learned a lot and helped me understand some of the things that I definitely am going to have to continue to evolve that skill set if I want to manage broader, more spread out teams you know, throughout my career. Mm, great. And how about yourself, Laura? Yeah, I think similar to Katie's point, I'm I'm very big and passionate about culture. Um, and I think overnight, uh, I've never managed a team entirely remotely. And so that I think for most sales leaders, um, to no fault of their own, right? We're thinking about how do we keep the team productive? They're worried about furloughs. They're worried about the health of the business. Um, however, I think a lot of sales leaders haven't really thought about how is this impacting our culture? Because one of the things I talk about is like when people are stressed out, then they burn out and then they opt out, uh, whether that be of their, you know, um, passion and commitment to the organization and to the mission or literally leave the company. Right. And so, um, obviously that impacts performance in a number of ways. And so for me, I've tried to, um, manage my own stress through, continue honing in and continue uh, uh, committing myself to to my passion, which is thinking about our culture. And so um, looking at how we can continue to drive learning and development, foster an environment of psychological safety and trust, um, and keep people engaged. And, you know, one of one, one of the ways, one of the examples that I've, um, that I talk about is like, I think when you're in an office, you can really get a, a pulse on what's going on. Obviously, seeing people when you see somebody that's like not engaged, you're not making their calls, not doing the things, um, and and being remote. I think one of the things that that I'll I'll often do is just call people. I'll call you know the ten people who report to me, and I'll just say, "Hey, just wanted to call and check in." That's it. Like, no other agenda. No like need you to do this. We need to talk about that like just checking in on people. And so I think it's like, I've been thinking about what are the small things that I can do that really show people that I care um, and, and see how people are feeling. Um, and so mm -hmm. it's, I think, again, as a leader, when we're worried about hitting the numbers and pivoting and all these different things that we need to do just to keep up, that stuff is really hard to do and it's exhausting, right? Um, but it's super important. So just figuring out how I can maintain a lot of that in my, in my day to day and then I think something else that I've been focusing on, um, similar to Katie, is is building relationships digitally. So these are the things that I think I should be doing as a as a leader who's doing this entirely remotely overnight. But what else are other leaders doing, right? Yeah. And so again, I think that's a good skill to get into if you're a sales rep. Like start now, right? Because that's going to help you close deals. It's going to help you learn. It's going to help you develop. But then also as you emerge into a leadership role, um, right? It's a it's really you meet amazing people and you have a sounding board um, and you continue that, that learning and development. So 
Yeah, and it's a great example to set as well, isn't it? For people, I'm sure people on your team see that you're doing that and wanting to to look for knowledge. And it, it, it again, it's going back to the imposter syndrome that when you get to a leader, it's okay to be vulnerable and not have all the answers. But the biggest thing is to go out and find them, not to think, "Oh, I need to know everything." It's no one expects you to do that, and I think people just need to realise that more. Um, and I think it's so important, isn't it? You know what's what's happened, and, and not just now, but in general, it's so important to be able to reflect on what you learn and what you can take away because every every situation presents an opportunity to learn from it. And, you know, I've been telling people in this, in this world, if you can sell during a pandemic, you can, you can deal with anything. Like, you know, that you, you might run a team one day and the fact that you've been through this is great because you've got that experience and those stories and that empathy to be able to then relate to them. And I think, you know, it's a great time to build that resilience and that understanding and, and what works and what was really important to say, look, do you know what? Like, you know, you might not be where you want to be and things might not have happened the way you want them, but you've, you can definitely take a lot away from this rather than just getting frustrated by they postponed this, this happened. Is that, well, you can't control that, but what can you control? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Katie and Laura, it's been a real pleasure today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and, and your stories. It's, uh, it's been really interesting hearing them. It was great, Chris. Thank you so much for having us. It was a fun conversation. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, thank and you for, so much, Chris. Welcome, Laura. And, and for people that are tuning in and have come across you for the first time, uh, yeah, you've mentioned LinkedIn there. Is, um, what's the best way for them to connect with you or, or follow what's going on in your world? So, Katie, what about you? Yeah, LinkedIn's definitely the best for me. I'm, I'm Katie with a C, so it's pretty easy to find me, Katie Ivy, on LinkedIn. Perfect. And same with same LinkedIn, um, Laura Garrett, and I do go by LG. Great. Looking forward to connecting with everyone. So. Perfect. Well, thank you again, both of you. And for listeners, thanks for tuning into another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey, people. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to find out more and connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Hatfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, or on my website, www.notanothersalesguy.com. That's www.notanothersalesguy.com. Stay tuned in future for some courses and free content on there as well. But for now, have a good one and I'll catch you soon.